here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. It's my music. You're listening to Music of the Mat on the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. Hello and welcome to Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of professional wrestling. It's all part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. I'm the Barbarian, Andrew Rich, and joining me on this muscular mystery tour is my good friend and partner, the Scorelord, Chris Maffei, and together we are your hosts, the Power Chords of Pain. Hulk Rules by Hulk Hogan and the Wrestling Boot Band. Chris and I have this you know, big list of episode topics we want to do, and this album was certainly on it. We knew when we wanted to do this album, sometime around you know late June, early July, to tie into America's Independence Day. Problem was, we needed a copy of the album. And lo and behold, a buddy of mine, Pat Francis, who hosts the Rock Solid podcast, sent me a message on Facebook saying he found the album for 99 cents in a record store in California, and he was going to mail it to me. A few days later, Hulk Rules is in my hands. Chris, my first question to you would be this. Prior to preparing for the episode, had you listened to this album at all in any way, any of the songs on it? Uh, how much did you know about Hulk Rules before we did this? Well, fortunately for me, I'd never heard any of this album before besides, obviously, American Made, which was Hogan's theme for a time in WCW. Besides that, I had not heard one single track from this album and I have to say, Pat Francis, buddy, you got ripped off. 99 cents. A bit too much to pay for this album. Yeah, my experience with Hulk Rules is quite recent as well. I, of course, American Made, I knew from watching old WCW clips. The only other song I knew from this album before was the song Hulkster in Heaven, because I would listen to Opie and Anthony back in the day, and they were talking about the song Hulkster in Heaven one day, and they were just, you know, ripping it apart and joking about how bad it was and the cheesy lyrics and whatnot, I looked it up online and discovered that Hulk Hogan recorded an album in the 90s. Other than that, you know, besides, you know, that song and American Made, I was coming into this with fresh ears. Uh, I, may, I may have left with rotten ears after it, but uh, <laughs> we'll say that for a little bit here. Uh, before we delve into the album itself, I think we need to really set the scene a little in regards to what music was like when the album came out. What was the world of music sounding like? Now, I said Hulk Rules you know, came out in the mid-90s. 1995 is when it came out. Smack dab in the middle of the 90s music scene. What were people listening to back then? What were the songs that were invading their ear holes? Well, Chris, let's tune our radios back to 1995 and see what we hear.
Macarena, que tu cuerpo es para la alegría y cosas buenas. Hazla tu cuerpo para alegría, Macarena. ¡Eh, Macarena! Now that was just like a minute of hopping around the dial there, and we heard some pretty heavy hitters. Alanis Morissette, Oasis, no doubt. And there were other big names as well that we didn't hear. You know, Radiohead, Michael Jackson, Tupac, Blur, Smashing Pumpkins, Alice in Chains, Garbage, Jizza, Bjork, Red Hot Chili Peppers, P.J. Harvey. The list goes on and on and on. You know, each decade has its own class of artists that define its sound. And these were just some of the artists that were undeniably shaping the sound of the 90s. I love that you included Bjork with the heavy hitters. I'm trying to cover all the bases here. Okay, a little bit of, a little <laughs> bit of here, a little bit there. It was big. It was pretty, it was pretty big in the 90s. A funny thing that Dana White used to do back when Bjorn Rebney used to own Bellator. He used to call him Bjork, <laughs> which I always found funny. But yeah, you know, 95, really a transitional year. Obviously, the middle year in the decade is always that shift from the decade not being the decade before. So 95 is like, now we're really not the 80s anymore. Now we're going to be the 90s. And it's always like that. It's always a gradual shift from when a decade musically stops being the previous decade. In the early 90s, all over music, you could still hear that 80s influence Mm -hmm. all across the board. But, you know, 95, big year for a lot of genres. And we'll kind of get into it and kind of set the stage for where stuff was at, where certain genres were at at the time and where they were at on this album. Because, you know, there's a thing in wrestling where the year in wrestling does not always reflect the year outside of the bubble, Mm -mm. especially musically speaking. I've always found wrestling to be somewhat behind, not so much nowadays, but behind musically, you know, maybe about five years or so, just behind the curve. Now, these days you have composers like CFOs who are very much, they have their finger on the pulse, but it wasn't always like that. This album, I think, Exhibit A, Mm -hmm. this album was instantly dated in 1995. The day it came out, it was dated. Now, in comparison, WrestleMania, the album, which is something that I can't wait to cover on this show, that sounded very much of its time when it was released in 93. You listen back to it now, and it's so goofy, and it's so cheesy, but it has that charm, has a certain heart to it, that you want to go back and listen. This album, I mean, I guess we'll find out if if this lives up to the WrestleMania, the album standard, but my God, (laughs) that's the first thing I want to just stress so much, how this was just instantly just, you know, this was exactly what I expected it to be, though. You look at that cover, what else do you think you're going to get? Oh, we'll get to that in just a little bit here. But uh, yeah, we heard what music was like in 1995. What about Hulk Hogan? What was Hulk Hogan doing in 1995? Well, Hulk Hogan in 1995 was actually doing quite well. He is currently the longest reigning WCW World Heavyweight Champion in history, a record that would never be broken. 
He had already beaten top stars like Ric Flair and Vader. He's been in you know lead roles in movies like Suburban Commando and Mr. Nanny. Uh, of course, they were both box office failures and critical disasters. Hogan also was in his own TV show, Thunder in Paradise, which only ran for one season before it was canceled. Oh, also around this time, Hogan had his own restaurant, <laughs> Pasta Mania, located in the Mall of America, which is where the first episode of Nitro was filmed. Pasta Mania would close in less than a year. Are you sensing a pattern here, Chris? <sighs> now I just want some pasta. <laughs> Look, say what you will about Hulk Hogan, but the man takes a lot of swings when he's at the bat. Wrestling, movies, TV, restaurants. The guy has his thick orange fingers in a lot of pies. So it makes sense for him to do music. And to be fair to Hogan, I don't blame him one bit for doing an album. The list of non-musicians who have put out albums over the years is a lengthy one. I mean, if Bruce Willis, Shaquille O'Neal, David Duchovny, <laughs> Michael Chiklis, Kobe Bryant, William Shatner, Steven Seagal, Joe Pesci, what? Crispin Glover, Robert Downey Jr., you know, if all those people can put out an album, why not Hulk Hogan? Well, first of all, you're telling me that Joe Pesci mm -hmm. has a music album out. Yes, he does. First of all, how would I not know about this? Second of all, is it him rapping, but instead of cursing, he just does like the fake cursing that he does in Home Alone? <laughs> Because I am the target audience for that. I don't know. I, I haven't heard it. He does it in character, I think, from his uh, My Cousin Vinny movie. I think he does it like as him. Oh, God. I think. Yes. I think it's called like Vincent, Vincent Gordinia Gambini, like Sings for You or something like that. I'm, look, I'm looking this up right now. That's incredible. He does it in character. But yeah, Joe Pesci has an album. Steven Seagal has an album. William Shatner has multiple albums. I'm intrigued by this David Duchovny album. It's not good. It's not good. <laughs> Stick to the X-Files, David. But yeah, Hulk Hogan has an album, and why not? That list of albums is just, it's astounding, but mm. there are quite a few wrestlers who have dabbled with musical endeavors. Yes. Hulk Hogan's contemporary, Randy Savage, he has an album. Chris Jericho, obviously, he, you know, in Fozzy. Jeff Hardy, Mark Andrews has a band, R-Truth, John Cena, as we've discussed before, Lita, Mickey James, Lillian Garcia, Jillian Hall, Brian Christopher has an album, Alex Shelley, Chris Saban, and Petey Williams, they're all in a band together, you know, Conan, MVP, Shannon Moore, Michael Hayes, Terry Funk, Freddie Blassie, Hayabusa, Dragon Kid, Taguchi, even the Drifter. The, <laughs> listen, the the Drifter counts, all right? Yep. I haven't watched any WWE in like three months, but I love the Drifter. I watched the YouTube clips. He's great. But, you know, there's a lot, and I'm sure there are some that, that I miss too, but there's a lot of wrestling and music crossover. Definitely. This is Hulk Hogan doing some karaoke. Hulk Hogan and his wife doing some karaoke with a few little Jimmy Hart, J.J. McGuire ditties sprinkled in for good measure. But... Mm. Uh, you know, let's take it easy on this Hulk Hogan musical career thing. <laughs> well, to be fair, it's not Hulk Hogan. It's Hulk Hogan and the Wrestling Boot Band. Uh oh, he's not, he's not uh, excuse me. He's not doing this alone. This ain't a solo project, as you said, Chris. <laughs> it's Hulk Hogan, his longtime friend and manager, Jimmy Hart, Jimmy's musical partner, J.J. McGuire, and Hulk's then-wife, Linda Balea, you know, Linda Hogan. They are the Wrestling Boot Band. And what an evil, diabolical group <laughs> led by Shane McMahon. Oh, sorry, that's the wrong group. Yeah, the wrestling group. <laughs> wrong group there. The only thing that could really take this album up a notch in my book is if you had Shane McMahon laughing in the background of all the songs. 
that would be great. So before we get into the music, we have one little section to go here. The specifics of the album and the band. So the album was released on July 11th, 1995. Wikipedia lists its genres as AOR, which is album-oriented rock, pop, and rap rock. Total length is 29 minutes, 34 seconds. It was released on Select Records, which was the same label that had Kid and Play, Chub Rock, and the Jerky Boys. All tracks written and produced by the Wrestling Boot Band. Project advisor is Mike Omansky. Now, Mike Omansky is senior VP of strategic marketing at RCA Records. He's the guy who, in the late 90s, early 2000s, there was this massive campaign to sort of reinforce Elvis Presley as this mega rock god in the public guy. So RCA re-released tons and tons of Elvis albums and compilations and box sets. Omansky was the guy behind all that. So that's who Mike Omansky is. The album received poor reviews, but it did reach number 10 on the Billboard Children's Album Charts. As for the band, here is what they are credited for on the album. Hulk Hogan, vocals and bass. J.G. McGuire, guitar, keyboards, vocals, bass, and drums. Linda Balea, vocals and percussion. Jimmy Hart, vocals, percussion, and effects. And there are additional performances by Todd Plant, Alicia Buchanan, Ralph Santola, Ronnie D., J.J. Rocket, Keith Jacobs, and Redeemed. Those are the credits for the album. I'm not sure I would want to be credited, you know? If I was credited on this album, if I did some session work or if I was the engineer or something, you could not you could not persuade me into taking some points on this album. I would want my pay up front. I am not expecting any residuals from this this mess. You know, this is imagine having to like be the mixing or mastering engineer and listen to this over and over and over and actually contribute to make trying to make it sound good. <laughs> I, I feel for the for the poor souls involved with the creation of this album. I, I concur 100%. So with all that squared away, Chris, let's get into it finally. This is a 10-track album. We'll start off with track number one, the opening song here, Hulksters in the House. So we're kicking things off here with a rather simple tune, not that much to it, both in terms of the music and the lyrics. You got a pretty basic electric guitar riff, some basic drumming, everything keeps the same pace, there's no big ramp up or ramp down. There's a guitar solo in the middle, there's you know some stuff here and there, but even that doesn't go crazy with the wild flourishes or anything like that. It's very, very simple, run of the mill rock and roll. This really feels like an album intro. It's weird, though, that the entire song is done in a gang vocal style, what you would typically hear on a chorus. The entire song sounds like the chorus. It's the most basic hard rock song I think I've ever heard in my life. 
It sounds like a backing track from like a guitar instructional DVD. <laughs> It's like it's, you play along with it. It has the basic drum beat and it has the rest, 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 rest. There's not a whole lot going on here. If you told me that Hogan wrote this one himself, I would absolutely believe you. Yeah, it's an odd choice to start the album in terms of the vocals because you would expect Hogan to be front and center the whole way through. But we've got, like you said, group vocals here. It's a very interesting choice. And lyrically, I think, again, emphasizes the opening track part of it. You know, Hogan is here, Hogan has arrived, the rock and roll is starting, you know, get up off your feet, that kind of stuff. And I think what the group vocals emphasize is, along with the simplicity of the rest of the track, is this is a song that everyone can sing along to, especially younger kids, because this is an album, I think, that's geared towards children. So when the hook of the song is, hey, hey, ho, ho, come on, let's go, something that, you know, little kids can remember and sing along to, you know what you're in for here. You know what you know. You know what to expect. But at the same time, as well, doesn't really you know give away the rest of the album because the rest of the album isn't like this rock style here. There are some rock songs on it as well, but there's a lot of hip hop and pop to go along with it. So the track does and does not preview the rest of the album. That's a good point, and I would even say that the lyrics of this song do not match the song that they're a part of. These are you know. The in the house, a very hip hop urban type of term, especially <laughs> at that time when that was kind of a hip type of phrase to say, you know, 2017, everyone's parents say that something's in the house. But back then, you have to understand this was actual slang that people were using, you know, like lit is now. So for these lyrics to be a part of this song, it's just a very strange contrast. I'm going to say something here and I want you to go along with me. Okay. Because we're going to look at these lyrics here, and we, we have some genius annotations as well from the, the, the lyric website Genius. Some of these annotations are just incredible, and I want to I go through a, a few selections of them. But for all intents and purposes, I would say that this track illustrates a better execution of the House of Horrors. Because it's Hulk Hogan <laughs> moving through a house and systematically destroying it. By moving to his brand new beat. Oh, God. This is my house of horrors. If I was in this house and Hulk Hogan walks through the door, the Hulkster's in the house. I'm getting the hell out of there. Listen to this verse. The Hulkster's in the room. You know he's on the move. I can feel it in my feet. We're moving to the beat. Ah! It is frightening. Horror lyrics. If you had like a John Carpenter score under this, uh, I'm I'm out of there. I'm I'm not sticking around to find out what happens when the Hulkster brings his brand new beat Mm -hmm. into this house of horrors. But these genius annotations here, let's break this down. There's a couple of lines that I thought were just incredible. Mm. So the Hulkster is in the room and the genius annotation says, this is a little more specific than before when we can only tell he was inside the house. Our radars have allowed us to triangulate his position with greater accuracy. The next line, you know he's on the move. <laughs> this this could make him more difficult to track down. <laughs> Hopefully he's just moving within one room, not between multiple rooms. I like to envision Hulk Hogan just kind of zipping around between rooms like the Flash. You just see a big red and yellow blur. Next line, we're blowing off the roof. And the annotation, this band values their rock above the property on which they are performing. This will leave them and their instruments susceptible to rain should any come. Oh, this is great. This is great. One thing to mention, this song was featured in the Malcolm in the Middle episode, The Bully. And I watched the episode the other day, Chris. Uh, the episode's about how Reese, you know, Malcolm's older brother, 
It's like the alpha bully of the school. He loses a wrestling match to a girl. And because of that, no one at school can take him seriously anymore. So he decides to become nice. Uh, unfortunately, this causes like an influx of bullies to the school because Reese isn't around to keep them in line anymore. And you know, chaos is reigning here. But at the end of the episode, you know, Reese reverts back to his old ways and he beats up the other bullies. And while he's doing that, Hulkster's in the house is playing in the background. And then he goes to WCW and joins Raven's flock. Yep. <laughs> Along with Lodi and Sick Boy and all the rest of them. Lodi. I love Lodi. Kidman. Lodi rules. Now that's an album I want. <laughs> I want the Lodi rules album. Forget this hunk of junk. It would just be Lodi holding up all the lyrics on signs and then someone translating. Yeah. <laughs> now there's a question that I want to ask after each and every track okay. that, that we go through here. Is it outdated in 1995? Yes. A big, <laughs> fat, yes. 1995, you have Alice in Chains and Smashing Pumpkins and Blur and Garbage. They are tearing up the music scene with their rock and roll. This is not that. Alice in Chains, it is not. No. But I'm willing to bet someone is in Chains in the, in the Hulkster's House of Horrors. Yes. I'm just glad it's not me. I would love, by the way, to... Uh, See this track be remade with a few new verses. I actually wrote one right here. Do you want to hear it, Chris? Oh, yeah. Yes, please. The Hulkster's in the bed. <laughs> he doesn't see the camera. <laughs> He's feeling pretty bloated. <laughs> he just said the N-word when the going gets tough. The tough get rough. Hey, hey, ho, ho, come on. Let's go. Bravo. <laughs> Bravo. That's the only one I wrote. That's the only one I wrote. But there we go. We could just end the episode right now and it'll all be worth it. <laughs> <laughs> we got nine more tracks to go, Chris. We can't, we can't stop now, unfortunately. All right. Let's, let's press on. Track number two. This is Hulk Hogan's WCW entrance music when he wasn't in the NWO. And it features Todd Plant on vocals. This is American Made. Okay, another rock song. This one much more in the vein of arena rock, a lot like his, you know, WWE theme, Real American. And I'm sure if you go online, you look up YouTube comments and stuff, you'll see, you know, them saying, oh, it's just a Real American ripoff. Which, okay, there are some similarities. You know, the very pro-American patriotic lyrics, the big crunchy guitars, the very emphatic vocalist. But there are some differences as well. Real American, I think, is a lot more soulful of a song with the female background singers. American Made, much more straightforward rock and roll. Also, American Made, I think, emphasizes the guitar work a lot more than Real American, because it has like multiple guitar solos, both in the middle of the song and at the end. And lastly, the lead singers, I think, you know, Rick Derringer is a good singer, but I think Todd Plant has a higher vocal range than he does. I like this a lot more than Real American. I just have to say, hmm. I never need to hear Real American again in my life, and I would prefer it that way, actually. But, I, you know, I can enjoy this every once in a while. I like this song. I like that it's a little bit more hard rock focused and a little bit heavier. 
Is this the only instance of a knockoff theme being arguably better than the original? I don't think so. I'm sure there are some instances where the knockoff might be better, but as far as this song goes, I like Real American 2. Uh, I've heard it a million times as well. I think I like both of these equally, though. Like, one satisfies the other, in my opinion. Like, I don't like one more better than the other, but I'm sure there are some knockoff themes that are better. Oh, yeah, I'm sure, you know, people, you know, tweet at us. Tweet at us. You know, if you think there's a knockoff theme or a theme that was inspired by a previous one that you think is better than the original, you know, let us know. I think that's an interesting subject, and maybe maybe we'll even do something. Maybe we'll do a little special on that at some point in the future. But yeah, lyrically, they're both, you know, the rah-rah America bull crap. Yeah. But, I mean, you can't argue that for Hogan and his character, they were just perfect. It fits. It fits, naturally. And like you said, Todd Plant, I think he's an awesome vocalist. He has he has a, a much better range and much better tonality than Rick Derringer, mm-hmm. my opinion. I looked him up for some info on him. Uh, he's from Tampa, Florida, and he's been in a bunch of tribute bands, like uh, for The Police and Doobie Brothers, Santana, Michael Bublé even. Michael Bubble. Yep. He's open for bands like Asia, Kansas, Toto, worked as a studio musician a lot. So he's been around. You know, He has a genre that he's comfortable with. And hey... He's got some serious pipes on him. You can't deny it. Oh, he does. He reminds me a lot of actually of Paul Stanley. Oh, okay. In that voice. He's very, very, that nice falsetto voice that Paul Stanley has. So I'm actually kind of surprised he hasn't been in a Kiss cover band yet. Yeah, that, that would seem like a natural. You mentioned he's done some uh, Doobie Brothers cover work. Yep. I would love to hear this guy sing What a Fool Believes. Or, oh, no, no, yeah. Long Train Running. Love, you know that song? Oh, yeah. I know my Doobie Brothers, yep. You know what's one of my favorite things to do? Sing the first verse of Holy Wars by Megadeth to the tune of <laughs> to the tune of Long Train Running. Brother will kill brother. Fill him blood across the land. <laughs> now, I've seen comments on YouTube saying, "Oh, American Made, it's so much better than Real American. Real American is way too cheesy." Really? Really? Real, Real American's too cheesy. So the line, he's government inspected, he's US grade. If he mess with the flag, it's like a slap in the face. That's totally okay with these people. Well, they're both cheesy, and, and that's the thing. I mean, it's very, you know, it's over the top. It's exactly what Real American was. It just sounds better. It's 95 Hulk Hogan. I mean, he is so out of place and cheesy as it gets around this time. And, and it'll be another year or so before we get, like, cool Hulk Hogan again. But until then, we've got American Made. Track number three, and it's the first track to feature Hulk Hogan on lead vocals. Three songs in, and finally, Hulkster's on the mic. This one's called Hulkster's Back. Oh my god! Check out the pump, brother! Wanna know? What's up, dude? I was born, I was bred, I was southern fed Got a crazy idea running through my head California is a place that I had to be Then a speech in the pit really set me free Oh yeah Remember when I said that Hulksters in the House wasn't really indicative of the genres of the rest of the album? This is what I meant We have left the rock and roll station and we have boarded the New Jack Swing Express. We've got the classic synthesizers making the beat. And by the way, whenever I say the word synthesizer or Chris does, take a drink. <laughs> We've got, you know, the electronic drums as the backbeat. We've got the funky female background singers, you know, singing the hook. We have 
the piece de resistance, Hulk Hogan rapping. But before we get to that, Chris, tell me your thoughts on the instrumentation of the song, the music. You know, I gotta say, J.J. McGuire does a great fake Teddy Riley. It starts off sounding like a Belle Biv DeVoe karaoke track. So in that regard, it's done well, which is to say it sounds like just a notch below what you'd be getting on, you know, a, a standard New Jack Swing album at that, you know, early 90s, 92, 93. It just sounds like a karaoke version of that. It's I think it's musically very authentic to what New Jack Swing and kind of up-tempo R&B hip-hop was at the time. So in that regard, I was way into this. And I was also thinking, how is this on the same album exactly, exactly, as the yeah. first two songs that came before this? Lyrically, we'll break it down into two parts here. The rapping and the spoken word. So let's start with the rapping here, okay? Now, there are two things that Hulk Hogan cannot do. Number one is put Bret Hart over. <laughs> Number two is rapping. This man is not a born rapper. He does not have the flow coursing through his body. He may have some other things flowing through his body, but rapping and flow is not one of them. So when you have Hulk Hogan rapping as his first lead vocal on the album, that is not a good first impression. I mean, this is just a BuzzFeed article waiting to happen. With all that said, I still think that Hulk Hogan is a better rapper than Silk the Shocker. Oh, Hulk Hogan sounds like Cool G rap in comparison to Silk the Shocker. This lyrically and the way he delivers it, it strikes me as some sort of weird amalgamation of the themes from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and the Beverly Hillbillies. Do you understand what I'm saying there? I understand completely. The song is about Hulk Hogan going to California on his Harley, going to Venice Beach, clanging and banging, clanging and banging, clanging and banging, beating Ric Flair for the world title, you know, sharing it with the Hulkamaniacs. Oh, he's Hulk Hogan. He's super rich and famous, but don't worry, guys. He's still the same man. He's still he's still just like everyone else. Train, say your prayers, eat your vitamins, Hulkamania, blah, 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 blah. That's the song. And you're right, Chris. It is very much the story of Hulk Hogan, you know, his odyssey to WCW, much like Fresh Prince, Will Smith going to California. In addition to being the debut of Hulk Hogan on lead vocals on this album, also, the debut of another member of the Hogan clan at that time. Linda Hogan shows up. She doesn't sing, but she does trade lines with Hogan as sort of like a spoken word, sort of like, you know, theater of the mind type of thing. Uh, Hogan is Hogan. Linda is supposed to be this valley girl type of woman, you know, saying things like, oh my God, and are you a Hollywood producer? And that is so awesome. She also says something at the beginning of the song that for the life of me, <laughs> I cannot decipher. Wanna know? Play that again. Wanna know? One more time. Wanna know? Wanna know? Wanna know? Wanna wanna know? What the hell does that even mean? What is what is wanna know? Well, on songmeanings.com, it says want a gnaw. G N A W. Oh, isn't like biting or chewing? Yeah. Okay. Want a gnaw? Still, then what the what the hell does that mean? I have no fucking idea what that means. All right, so your guess is as good as mine. But I had no idea what she was saying, and the only thing that I could think of is she was just saying wanna gnaw, as in wanna gnaw Jack Bandit from Doug. Oh, you son of a bitch! Wanna gnaw Jack Bandit. 
Got one in the gang. God damn. I, I listen. These Doug references, they come fast, they come furious, and they will never end. All right. Mile a minute there. And Hulkster, he has his own sayings too. And oh boy, are they fucking off the wall here. Check out the pump, brother. What's up, dude? Test the power. Do you think he sat there with like a pen and pad, just like writing all these out, you know, very intently? Or do you think he just went in and just kind of freestyled them? Oh, Hogan's the type of guy. He just lets, lets it flow. Let, let the winds of fate go, you know, take them where they may. This is like Hogan's equivalent of like doing ad libs or just kind of like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, you know, Hulk just go in there and just kind of feel it and just kind of vibe, you know, just kind of, you know, yeah, do your thing. Oh, my God. Imagine how painful it must have been to be running these recording sessions. Ugh, painful for that. Yes. Also, having to swallow the massive amount of pride. And say, no, no, Hulkster, this is great. Oh, this, this is great. We'll put we'll put that down. Yeah. Not all in this track is is lost because the chorus, oh, I yes, would just yes. like to say, is way catchy. Definitely. And like way and like way catchier than it has any right to be on this album, too. Like I actually hate how much I love this chorus. Like I've been singing this for an entire week. And I and, like, and I want to be all about it too, but I'm just I, you know, I'm really I'm not a huge fan of like racist people appropriating the music of the people that they're racist towards. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'm also just not a big fan of racist people in general. But as far as this chorus goes, I can enjoy these these backup singers yeah. because they do a hell of a job here on this chorus. Now, uh, as an aside here, the line is Hey, check out the pythons, baby. When I first heard the song, I could have sworn they were saying, Hey, check out the pine cones, baby. <laughs> That's what it sounded like at first, but I had to look it up. And it's, it's, it's obviously pythons, obviously. But, uh, check out the pine cones. I, I, I had pine cones at first. <laughs> Those Hulk Hogan phrases. It's like someone had a Hulk Hogan doll <laughs> yeah. and they kept pulling the strings. <laughs> they kept pulling the string on it. <laughs> What's up, dude? <laughs> Test the power. Yo, Ted Turner, you want to arm wrestle? What's up, dog? You're my favorite deputy, dude. <laughs> Somebody poison the water hole, brother. There's a snake in my boot, Jack. <laughs> that would actually be perfect if he was shooting with Jake the Snake. Of course, yeah, of course. That's right, natural, of course. Well, you know, this brings us once again to the question. Is it outdated in 1995? I'd say so. It just made being outdated because this is 95. This is like New Jack Swing is kind of on the tail end of things. Mm-hmm. You know, modern R&B and, and kind of up-tempo R&B and, and dance tracks are kind of taking a new sound. And this is very much the late 80s, early 90s New Jack Swing. Yep. It has that type of sound to it. So I would say yes, but not as outdated as, say, Hulksters in the House or American Made were in 1995. No. I have to say, though, I do enjoy this song. Very, very catchy, at least with the, with the chorus part's concerned. The chorus. Love the chorus. Track number four, and it's our first song to feature Jimmy Hart on lead vocals. This is Wrestling Boot Traveling Band. <laughs> the rock and roll side of things here obviously a much more softer rock and roll definitely in the vein of you know soft rock yacht rock a little bit of country thrown in there uh, gulf and western 
which is what Jimmy Buffett does. It's like a Caribbean country western hybrid. Uh, again, heavy keyboard and synth presence. This one, you know, very tropical sounding. You've got the guido, which is that instrument that has those ridges on it. You take a stick and you scrape it, makes that percussion sound. Uh, nice little touch there, that's a tropical thing. A wood block in the background. So it does a good job of creating the, you know, sunny, beachy atmosphere that goes along with the theme of the song, which is about a guy, you know, leaving his girl behind, going to California with his band, playing on the beach, and he necessarily does it. So, actually, in my opinion, I think this is a very sweet song. I agree. This is adorable. And I fucking love Jimmy Hart for this. Oh, yeah. Although, that said, I mean, you can't exactly go from hard rock to New Jack Swing yeah. to this. It's all over the board. A- actually, you know what? That's exactly what happens when you put all my music on shuffle, so <laughs> forget what I just said. But I love this song. It's very relaxing. Yeah. Kind of like a yacht rock type of thing going on. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Hart, obviously a very talented musician, uh, given that he's you know created, produced, written so many big themes over the years. Uh, also, you know, a very talented singer in his own right. I mean, he was in a '60s band called The Gentries, yes, which had had a one-hit wonder called "Keep On Dancing." The guy clearly has talent, and this is him you know showcasing that talent in a softer side. Because normally Jimmy Hart, he's high-pitched, screaming Jimmy Hart, you know, mouth to the south, the megaphone, you know. So this is a nice little. A different side of Jimmy Hart to, uh, to take in. This has absolutely nothing to do with Hulk Hogan, which is a very much welcome change for this album. Lyrically, this song is just kind of a straightforward, I guess, a straightforward love song as you can be on this album. Because he does, you know, he does reference the wrestling boot traveling band. But that, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like it's shoehorned in. It kind of feels like he could be singing about any band. It doesn't even have to be the wrestling boot traveling band. Some of these lyrics here, they're a little bit odd, but one of the lyrics, as I saw on the website, Genius.com, that we were getting some of these lyrics from, they had a line incorrect, and when I saw this, it just took the song to a whole new dimension for me. So the incorrect lyric here is, I needed some time with the boys, and she needed her time in space. I saw that too. (laughs) (laughs) And I died. Because then this song takes a whole intergalactic yeah. vibe to it. Obviously, the line is, she needed her time and space. So, Jimmy Hart, he meets a girl on the beach. She immediately friend zones him. Yep. Because she says she thinks the bass player's cute. And then they just tan together. Chris, uh, who's the bass player on this album? It would have to be noted almost Metallica member bass player Hulk Hogan. Mm-hmm. Even when he's not singing on the album. The Hulkster has got to be put over in some form or fashion. You know what? You're right. I forgot all about that when I said this wasn't about... Of course it's about Hulk Hogan. Of of course. Of course it's about Hogan. So, once again, we have to question, is it outdated in 1995? I mean, in terms of the genre, maybe, because Jimmy Buffett... Jimmy Buffett's been around for years and years and years, but his biggest hits were not in this era. But I can't say it sounds dated because I'm not really used to this genre listening to it. I'll give you that. It's not like it kind of has a sonic stamp that dates it to a period in time. You could realistically come out with a song that sounds like this in in any era. Maybe it would have a little less woodblock today. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say kind of. I'm going to say maybe. I'm going to say yes and no. Mm -hmm. 
Although I do want an entire Jimmy Hart album in this style. I would listen, I would I would be all about this. This is, this is a nice relaxing listen, you know, when you're sitting on the beach getting a tan, watching Hulk Hogan play the bass. I can't think of anything better. Track number 5 now and once again Jimmy Hart takes the lead in a different direction, noticeably. This is Bad to the Bone. This showcases Jimmy Hart's more hard rockin' side. Brings back the pounding drums, the hard rock guitar licks, a few solos in there as well. I get kind of a Motley Crue type of vibe from the riff. The biggest problem I have with this song, and we can discuss this right now, Chris, is the production quality. Because I think it's very, very poor. Jimmy Hart sounds like he's recording his vocals in a cave. They're so muddled and echoed. The guitars have such a plain quality to them. They hardly pub off the song. Same with the drums, they're very plain about them. Even the motorcycle revving at the beginning does not sound very good. That sounds awful. It does sound off. This song does not sound like it was recorded in 1985. No, this sounds like it was recorded on an answering machine in 1983. <laughs> yeah. You want to talk about hard rock in the 90s. This is as far away from hard rock slash metal. Because, I mean, I think this is probably the most metal moment on the album. And it's so odd, first of all, to have Jimmy Hart being the person doing the vocals on this because when I think of Jimmy Hart I think of what we got on that last song you know that's a very Jimmy Hart song this I can't exactly say that he he fits so maybe that was kind of the overcompensation oh let's just drown his vocals in reverb let's screw around with some things and kind of maybe not make it sound as modern but in doing that they just made it sound like garbage. Those motorcycle revs at the beginning, it sounds like the motorcycle has some sort of virus or something, and it's about to, like, be violently <laughs> ill. It so- you know what it sounds like? It sounds like the motorcycle is voiced by Genichiro Tenru <laughs> or Tomoki Hanma. Just like, <laughs> very rough sounding and very, you know, not, not good. Not good, Chris. Not at all. You know, and musically, this is pretty straightforward hard rock, yeah. but I, nowhere near as basic as the Hulksters in the house. But if you compare this to like hard rock and metal in 95, my God, this song does not have any business being released in 1995. I'm sorry. Interesting to note, though, musically, this is just Brian Pillman's WCW theme. One of his WCW themes, Blondes Are More Fun. As well as Crank It Up off of Pile Driver, the wrestling album, too. It's Jimmy Hart going into the archives and just, uh, we'll pick this and put new lyrics over it and add a motorcycle to it. Everything about this song just screams kind of like careless. We need one more song. Let's just slap this together. I'm surprised that this isn't buried lower on the album. And again, lyrically, very, very basic. It's just, you know, again, Harley Davidson motorcycle 
which Hogan is obviously a fan of. So you have lyrics like, Come on, baby, we're going for a ride. Just put your arms around and hold on tight. Turn up the music, because we want to play it loud. The girls all know it's a boy's night out, because we're bad, bad, bad to the bone. It's so weak. It's like if you went on like a rock and roll lyrics generator and just took like the four lines, the first four lines that came up and you slapped them on a piece of paper and said, hey, Jimmy Hart, why don't you go sing this hard rock song in 1995? Everything about this song is just ugh. And yes, it, the answer is yes, it is outdated in 1995. Don't even have to ask a question. We'll move on now to our sixth track on the album, and the Hulkster is back on lead vocals. This track is called I Want to Be a Hulkamaniac. Once again, Hulk Hogan is doing what he should not do, which is rapping. I'm sorry, you can compare him to, you know, better than Silk the Shock all you want. Hulk Hogan, at the end of the day, should not rap. Now, this song is a lot less funky than Hulkster's Back. It's definitely much more entrenched in synth pop, new wave. Again, heavy, heavy, heavy use of synthesizer on this. And the lyrical content is less about Hulk Hogan himself and more about the Hulkamaniacs. And we're like to be a Hulkamaniac, really. Have fun with your family and friends. Yeah. Before we get to all that, though, uh, Chris, I think we should address the pink and black elephant in the room here. Chris, could you please pause the tape here, rewind to the beginning of the song, and just play the first five or six seconds again. Gee, I wonder what that sounds like. There you go. The opening synth melody, which shows up all throughout the song, it's like a, like a backing synth underneath the vocals. It is Owen Hart's theme, High Energy. So right there, from the very beginning, this song is yet another ripoff. I love that Owen Hart theme so much. I mean, is that not one of the greatest themes? But, it, it, you know, it's great that two of the greatest wrestling themes, in my opinion, of all time are named High Energy. That's great. But it is such a travesty that... It goes from the high-energy chord progression in the intro to what is undoubtedly the worst chorus in the history of recorded fucking music. Oof. It's like a whistle. Oh, oh, the the whistle. It's so painful. It's so painful. First of all, the vocal melody itself is horrible enough, but to have the whistle following it, it, it is so painful. This is where I was like, I cannot listen to this more than the one time that I listened to it. Because if I get this stuck in my head, this would be worse than the Cars for Kids jingle. You know Cars for Kids? Listen, I work in radio. I hear it every single day. Every single day. And yet I would take that over this song. Yes, me too. You, you know, you're walking down the hall, you're going to the kitchen or the, or the break room or something like that, and Cars for Kids is on. I would rather stay and listen until that spot is finished. Then listen to this chorus ever again. It's just so bad. 
and it goes from something so good to something so bad, and that's what's so jarring about it. So what goes into being a Hulkamaniac? How does one become, what does one do as Hulkamaniac? Well, don't worry, Hulk will spell it out for you. All right, they train, they say their prayers, eat their vitamins, yada, yada, yada. But what else do they do? Well, we have a few examples here, uh, Chris. Like you said already, always be good to your family and friends. They're the only ones that'll be there in the end. Somehow, I doubt that Linda and Bubba the Love Sponge will be there in the end for Hulk Hogan. Well, that's because he wasn't good to his family and friends. Hulk Hogan's an asshole. Okay, maybe that one wasn't a good, wasn't a good example there. Uh, okay, uh, how about this? You better watch out where you are at. You might be judged where you hang your hat. <laughs> so what? I think Hulk Hogan's a big hypocrite. I mean, I, I just have I have a sneaking suspicion here. That the Hulkster doesn't practice what he preaches in this song. Well, uh, let, let's see here. Um, I think there's, I think there's some more lines. There's some more lines. Yeah. Uh, can you feel the music? Can you feel the beat? You don't need drugs to move your feet. Again, again, Terry, man, if only you meant this. If, if only this was your actual creed to the world. If only this was sincere and earnest. But it's not. Try to do good each and every day. Don't give him nothing. Bad to say. Well, you failed there, Hulkster. You, as, as Vince Russo once said, that big, bald son of a bitch. <laughs> that is one example. Well, wait wait a minute here. Wait, a There's one line that we can reasonably say Hulk Hogan might actually live by. Always go swimming with a buddy. Okay, there you go. And there's, you know, there's some jet ski stories that, <laughs> yes. that would corroborate this. That, uh, He's got a point there. Let's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give him the benefit of the doubt on going swimming with a buddy. Okay, and I'm sure he has some 24-inch floaties or something like that to go along with it. Just don't eat too much of that pasta before you go in. You got to wait like a half hour. Mm. Yeah, I, th- I think with pasta, you want to wait a little bit more than a half hour, you know? All those carbs, they really sit in you. It really depends, you know? You eat a big heavy meal, then you got to wait. If you're eating something like pretzels, I mean, you know, you wait 10 minutes, you, bada bing, you're in the pool. Mm. There's all sorts of levels to that, so... It just, but make sure you're with a buddy because if you do get a cramp, then they'll be there for you, and you know they'll they'll take you out. You know, provided you didn't like sleep with their wife or something like that, or like you know, no. sex tape, or you know, you racist. Or, but yeah, so always go swimming with a buddy. If there's one thing we can we can extrapolate from this from this song, I think that's uh, you know, I, I'm I'm real glad that they that they decided to use this platform. Uh, yeah. To get that message out, especially for kids, because this, you know, this, this song is really all about kids. Yeah, the, you know, as we said, this is a kids' album. I think in the long run, here, definitely dedicated towards the children. Which leaves us with the question: Is this outdated? Yes, yes, yes. Let's move on. <laughs> Track seven, and oh boy, Hulk Hogan is still rapping. Oh my god, this is Beach Patrol. <laughs> Chris, in the interest of fairness, I'll let you take the lead on this one here, because there is a lot to unpack. This was the one that broke me, my friend. This was the one, this was the chorus, this fucking chorus was stuck in my head for the entire week. And I hate the song. And if that's supposed, first of all, if that's supposed to be a record scratch in the intro, 
It sounds more like a sound effect from a children's computer game. <laughs> it sounds like it's encased in a wet sponge. It starts off already shit. And then you get some some glorious, glorious, cheesy keyboard guitars. You know what they sound like? WrestleMania 2000, the video game. Oh my god. That soundtrack, that... That's what it sounds like. You're absolutely right. It sounds like the background music in, in any, like, THQ wrestling video game. Except... This has a hip-hop groove to it. It's not even, it's not video game music. I just have to say, in a year that saw classic hip-hop albums, such as Raekwon's Only Built for Cuban Links, Jizz's Liquid Swords, Tupac, Tupac's Me Against the World, you're right, Big L, Lifestyles of the Poor and Dangerous, Mob Deep, The Infamous, Rest in Peace Prodigy, the Far Side, Lab Cabin, California, underrated album, super underrated, and one of my favorite hip-hop albums, East 1999 Eternal by Bone Thugs and Harmony, in a year that saw albums like that, and so much more. This is the worst attempt mm. at hip-hop. And it's not a shock, because this album was made by some of the whitest people of all time. And this was performed by some of the whitest people of all time, including Jimmy Hart, who definitely pinched his nose for that. We are the Beach Patrol. We are the Beach Patrol. We are the party party I guarantee you he did a take and then they were like, you know what? Why don't you put a clothespin on your nose for, <laughs> for the next one? Let's see how that goes. Ugh. The chorus, like I said, got stuck in my head all week, and I just, I honestly wanted to just jump in front of a train or something like that. But lyrically, let's break it down here. Because there are some situations happening here. Here's the story of what Beach Patrol is about. I was walking down the beach looking for some action, had my radio set on a rap rock station. Now, hold on a minute, player. Liar. Well, Liar. Well, first of, well, first of all, Liar. yes, because first of all, there are no rap rock stations. In 1995. Now, Hulk Hogan definitely predicted new metal right here with this line. Oh, yes, definitely. And had he come around 10 years later with this song, I would have believed him. But also with this line, I thought he said a rap rap station, <laughs> which, <laughs> you know, aside from being redundant, I was just very confused. Is this like, he's saying, oh, this is like the real rap. This is rap rap. Yeah. It's like that one Ring of Honor pay-per-view a couple years ago where they got new ropes and Kevin Kelly wouldn't shut up about the rope ropes, <laughs> if you remember that. Oh, these aren't the cable ropes. You know, the cable ropes made of elevator cable. Well, these are rope ropes and they're made of rope. And he said rope ropes about 73 times rapid fire during the course of this pay-per-view, this Ring of Honor pay-per-view. And I'll never forget that. Yeah. So, very similar situation here. I thought Hulk Hogan was talking about rap rap, but it was rap rock and he was lying. Let's, so let's continue on here. Let's continue, shall we? All right. Saw a girl in trouble, a sticky situation. Ugh. She wanted me to give her mouth to mouth resuscitation. Now, <laughs> I have a problem with this because if this girl needed mouth to mouth. How could she tell Hogan she wanted it? Exactly. It makes no sense. She'd be unconscious. Hogan, you're outing yourself at every turn here. You're, you're a filthy fucking liar, and I'm not going to stand for it. Let's continue. Perhaps in this case, mouth to mouth means like kissing, because like you can't rhyme situation with kissing or resuscitation with situation. There you go. So this is Hogan's little, uh, well, little, little. You can rhyme kissing with, I don't know, pissing. 
Which would be appropriate. This album, kind of like the musical equivalent of pissing. All right, so he's making out with a chick on the beach. Okay, fine, he's Hulk Hogan, whatever. Putting on some shades, trying to catch some rays, when I caught the lifeguard messing with my babe. Okay, hold on a second. Let me get this straight here. Hulk Hogan is making out with a girl on the beach. Then he sees a lifeguard trying to mess with my babe. Now, if we look at the line, saw a girl in trouble, doesn't that mean that Hulk Hogan is cheating on his girlfriend and then he sees her later? He, he doesn't say, saw my girl in trouble, a sticky situation. He says, saw a girl in trouble. So doesn't that mean that Hulk Hogan is a fucking hypocrite? Typical. And, and chastising a lifeguard for flirting with his girlfriend, even though just seconds before he was, you know, giving mouth to mouth with another chick? Typical. That wasn't his? It's t- you know what? It's typical Hogan. It's that double standard, you know, it's it, do as I say, not as I do. Oh, he's fine. He can go and give mouth to mouth to some unsuspecting woman on the beach who probably has no clue what's happening. But, you know, he sees a member of the beach. First of all, is this lifeguard part of the beach patrol? Have, uh, we, have, have we confirmed that? Because I don't know. It's, it doesn't make it's not, not clear. It's already been stated that the beach patrol like to party, party, party. You got to watch who you come with when you're around the beach patrol. You can't, you can't, you can't party. This isn't Baywatch you know, with the rock. This, you gotta watch for sharks and shit, you know? Very poor lifeguard skills from Hogan there. Yeah. So, for the, who is approving these lifeguards? First of all, if all they like to do is party, 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 and I'm just picturing, like, a scene out of, like, American Pie 2 or something like that, and and Hulk Hogan's over here trying to... Uh, apparently, somebody did pass out, and Hulk Hogan's trying to revive them. So, is Hulk Hogan actually doing the job of the beach patrol? Is that what we can ascertain here? Who knows? Who knows? Whoop, there it is. Check it out, check it in. You'll be six feet deep if you touch my girlfriend. Okay, not only is he threatening violence, he's threatening murder! Hogan is trying to kill a guy! Now, if he does indeed kill, I assume, the member of the beach patrol or any other beach goers, would he bury them six feet deep in the sand? Because I'm pretty sure... Other people are also doing that on the beach. That's a done, that's done on, you know, you bury people in the sand. It's done. It's a done thing. Except in this case, the person just wouldn't be alive. You know, this homeboy could lose control. You just don't mess with the beach patrol. Hogan, you are not a homeboy. Do not call yourself a homeboy. The cultural appropriation all over this album is disgusting. Sickening. Sickening. Especially considering what we now know about Hulk Hogan and how much of a piece of shit he is. We've got one more verse here. One more verse, it's the moral of the story. When you're hanging at the beach, you can see so much. Look all you want, but you better not touch. Take it from me. Don't lose control, because you're going to have to deal with the beach patrol. Okay, kids, go to the beach. You can look at other guys, girls, all you want. Ogle them as much as you want. Just don't touch them or lose control, and you won't get killed. This is an album for children! This this is an album for kids! I'm also just very confused as to whether or not Hulk Hogan is a part of the Beach Patrol. We still don't know! Or is he... Alright, here's what I think. Hogan's on the Beach Patrol, right? Okay, But yes. then there's, there's also another lifeguard who he doesn't like and who doesn't like him. But they're, they're like fake friends. But every time Hogan's gone giving mouth-to-mouth to some unconscious girl on the beach, 
and violating them and actually violating what he just said, oh, look all yes. you want, but don't touch, violating his own lyric. While he's doing that, this rival lifeguard, who do you think this is? Is this Beefcake? It has to be Beefcake because, you know, lifeguards are notoriously good looking. It can't be like Knobs oh, no. oh, or something oh, like no. that. It can't be Brian Knobs. But as, uh, it's got to be Beefcake. All right. So Beefcake is over there. Mackin on Hogan's girl. Or is this in, in this canon? Is this Linda? Oh, God. Is this Linda in this in canon? Or has or has Hogan created another situation? This may be like a fictional like Hulk Hogan, like fantasy perhaps, where or he's like fictional Hulk Hogan polygamy, maybe. Perhaps, maybe. Or actual literal Hulk Hogan polygamy. Now that I think of it, I guess perhaps Hogan is in the Beach Patrol. The lifeguard isn't, even though they're both part of the same like like overarching group. So. Hogan in the Beach Patrol is like NWO Hollywood, oh. and the lifeguard is NWO Wolfpack. I like it. And they're feuding, huh? I like it. I like it a lot. There you go. But on the chorus, they do present themselves as a united front. And and when he says, don't mess with the Beach Patrol, you know, be specific. Don't mess with the Beach Patrol black and white yeah. or the Beach Patrol Wolfpack. I, I like it, and I I like the, uh, the the black and white, having the black and white little swim trunks and, and the black and red swim trunks for the Wolfpack. I like it. Now, it wouldn't be Hulk Hogan rapping without the wackiest series of noises that have ever escaped Hulk Hogan's mouth at the end of the song. Chris, could you please play the last, like, 30 seconds of the song right here? So Hogan is just sputtering these noises coming out of him. Things like pumping up, pumping up, pump up the bass. Hey, girlfriend. Whoops, there it is. Yo, dudes. Then he ends it all with the weirdest thing I've ever heard. Whoops, there it is. Whoops, there it is. Whoops, there it is. So is Hulk Hogan doing like his best Curly Howard impression from the Three Stooges? It's maddening. I've, I've gone crazy here with this fucked up song. So safe to say this is the one, this is also the one that broke you as well. Oh God, it's fucking awful. This, uh, I mean, there's no question about it. It's outdated. This was, Ugh. this was outdated before it was even made. This, this was outdated before Les Paul invented multi-track recording in 1953. This was outdated before music was even invented. Terrible, terrible, terrible song. I hate this song. I'd rather drown. <laughs> I'd rather be buried six feet deep in the sand by Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Coming up next is track number eight. And at this point, Chris, I'm sure you're thinking, you know what? The album is lacking when it comes to the female perspective. Well, don't worry, because here comes Linda Balea to sing lead vocals. This track is called Hulk's The One. Remember all that 
talk about Hulk Hogan, you know, being unfaithful on the beach as part of the beach patrol? Yes, I do. Well, I like to think that this takes place directly after that, where an unsuspecting Linda just happens to, you know, frequent a, a karaoke bar and, uh, you know, dedicates a little number to her beloved Hulk. Her faithful, loving, doting husband, Hulk Hogan. I can see that, yeah. Easy to see what they're going for here. Uh, the 80s pop, you know, singer, Madonna, Cindy Lauper, Belinda Carlisle, Tiffany, Debbie Gibson. Pick your poison here. And the music, again, like Rustling Boot Traveling Band, it matches the sentiment of the song, of the, of the vocals here. The pop rock, you know, the rock guitars are and the drums are overlaid with a softer, poppier keyboard sound. In this case, very much like a, some, some chimes of some sort. Linda as a singer is kind of tough to really bash her, I think. It's not like she's singing off-key. She's not wailing and going crazy here because she's not really singing. She's like a step above talk singing where you can, you can tell she knows the melody. She knows where to go in the song, but she doesn't push herself to really belt out the tune. Exactly. So while she, does, she doesn't sound horrible, but she also, she also doesn't, doesn't sound great. She's very bland and just there here. She sounds like someone who's like okay at karaoke. Mm -hmm. Someone who kind of goes a lot, has their own set list, and is kind of, you know, they're not offensive to your ears, but they're not a trained singer. And, you know, they're not making a career out of this anytime soon. But she, she doesn't sound horrible. And that's the thing about this. It's so over-the-top cheesy. And it sounds like something that would be, you know, on the soundtrack of a 1986 romantic comedy. Mm -hmm. But when you take all of this into account, it's really far from being the worst thing on this album. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm very sorry. Before we get into lyrics and stuff, I'm very sorry to make this comparison. Okay. But, th but this intro here reminds me a lot of a song called Call of the Wild by Black Sabbath from the Headless Cross album, Tony Martin era. For some reason, the chord progression and the vibe to it, I just, it, uh, and I'm very sorry to make that comparison because I love Black Sabbath. Me too. Especially the Tony Martin era, especially the Headless Cross album. And as soon as this came on, I was like, oh no. <laughs> it sounds like Call of the Wild. Do not sully the good name of Tony and, and, and Geezer and all the rest of them. Oh God, no. We talked about the inappropriateness of the lyrics of Beach Patrol. Check out the lyrics to this one, because the chorus is like a typical love song. You know, you're the one, the only one, Hulk's the only one for me. Okay, simple, we get it, we know what they're going for here. Look at the lyrics, though. They say your heart is made out of stone, you've got me hanging by a string. My friends all tell me you're bad to the bone, please be bad to me. <laughs> Uh-oh. Okay. <laughs> Uh-oh. Mission accomplished. <laughs> you had me hooked from that very first look. You had me down on my knees. You turned on the charm. I heard the alarm. I should have called the police. Uh-oh. <laughs> That's my favorite line. Uh -oh. That is my favorite line. I just love that the, the line, <laughs> I should have called the police. My friends all tell me I'm under your spell, that I'm too blind to see. You come on so strong, and then you are gone. You turn the lights out on me. Ooh. This is not for children, Chris. Ooh. This, th this poor woman. Hogan has this lady, you know, on a string. He's got her in the palm of his hands. Oh, man. He, he's got her hooked. 
to the Hulkster. And he's playing with her, and he's just going on the beach patrol, and he's making out with other women. You know, he is this, this, this poor woman is being bamboozled by the Hulkster. And she's so blind, she cannot see the man for who he really is. I'm very concerned because this makes that Hulk Hogan home invasion at the beginning of the album. Oof. It, it gives it a, a darker undertone to it. And now I'm just very concerned. I'm not sure I'm comfortable with the narrative. Did they like Tarantino, this album, where they gave you the result of all of this at the very beginning? And then you see it play out. For the rest of the... Oh, man. They kill build it. They kill build they, it. They kill build it. They they build it up you know, back and forth, back and forth. At the very beginning, it's the bride bloody and bruised. You know, flash forward, it's flash... It's just all over the place. This is a very, this is a very Pulp Fiction, Quentin Tarantino thing. Messing with time. Hulk fiction. Good God, man. Because the lyrics, they, they contrast so much with the actual like music of the song. The music is like all like pop rocky and like loving. And the lyrics are just, oh my God. This, this poor woman. Is it outdated in 1995 by exactly a decade? Yeah. Although I would love, just out of morbid curiosity, I would love to see Linda perform this at a karaoke bar with Hulk in attendance. Maybe at one of Hulk Hogan's beach club bonanza, whatever the fuck his restaurant is called. Karaoke night. Ka- yeah. yeah, karaoke night. Special A special karaoke night with Linda shows up. I would love to imagine that. Remember there was like 97 autograph signings during Mania weekend this year uh, yeah. as Rich Preach <laughs> broke them down. Yep. I would love to think that after one of those nights, Linda was doing some karaoke and <laughs> yeah. she performed Hulk's The One. And she, when she did it, she looked right in his sad Muppet eyes. <laughs> but yes, uh... That was Hulk's the one. <laughs> Up next is track number nine. Probably the most infamous track on this album. The longest track on the album. And the only one where Hulk Hogan actually sings lead vocals. This is the ballad, Hulkster in Heaven. Let's explain Hulkster in Heaven. Now, according to Hulk Hogan, so take that for what you will, Hogan and Jimmy Hart wrote the song in 1992, and it was inspired by this Make-A-Wish kid in the UK who really wanted to see Hulk Hogan wrestle. And when Hulk came up for his match, he saw that the, the, the seat was empty. The child had died before the match. Now, according to Hogan's autobiography, proceeds from the album went to benefit the child's family to help pay for any medical bills. Now, if all that is true, then that is a very class act thing for Hogan to do. So I do commend him for that. However, that still does not excuse the song for its faults. Faults like the laughably fake oh, trumpets and strings my that are clearly on a synthesizer. God. Faults, faults like Hogan shoehorning so many of his lines. Faults like Hogan pronouncing Wembley like Wembley. And of course, faults like the fact that Hogan never wrestled in Wembley Stadium <laughs> or Wembley Arena 
<laughs> when he claimed he wrote the song in, in 1992. He wrestled there in 1994. So, great sentiment, nice uh, story, I guess. But man, this song is just fault after fault after fault. Chip away the stone, bit by bit by bit. As you mentioned, very nice to dedicate a song to a Make-A-Wish kid. I think that's so great. And any any proceeds that were donated, uh, you know, like you said, classy. A very classy thing to do. But man, that trumpet. Oof. Oh my god. There is nothing more offensive to my ears than the sound of a cheesy keyboard trumpet. Even the piano at the very beginning, you can tell that is totally a synth. Oh yeah. It sounds like a cheap arranger keyboard that you can get at Walmart for like 50 bucks and uh, like a guy in his 60s playing at your grandparents' anniversary party playing Richard Mark songs on a Casio arranger keyboard. That's what this song is like Hulk Hogan, like a Richard Marks cover artist. And I, at first, I was like, who is this on vocals? What? What is What is this? Mm. And then I realized, because, you know, up until this point, he got away with just rapping. And I use rapping very loosely. Yeah. You could also use singing very loosely, because pitch correction plugins were certainly not a thing in 1995. We'll, we'll just say that. Man, no, as as bad of a singer as, as Hogan is, nothing is worse than that. That, that stupid trumpet, man. I Oof. And I, I played trumpet, you know, all throughout uh, elementary school and middle school, and my trumpet never sounded like that. Well, you never played a trumpet through a synth, now have you, Chris? <laughs> you never hit 56 on the, on the keyboard settings there and got the trumpet, <laughs> you know, trumpet sound line out. Yeah, Hogan on vocals, you know, we can make fun of him, but really, it's kind of hard to hear him on the vocals because the synths are so loud and the backup singers are so loud as well in the mix. They overpower him. You know, it's like it's like he almost takes a back seat to the whole thing. Well, if you're going to take a back seat to something on this album, it's got to be that trumpet because <laughs> it's the only thing worse than Hogan on this album. I mentioned it uh, at the beginning there, uh, Chris. Let's 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 read the lyrics here. I read it in the papers. I saw it on TV. I guess there'll be one empty seat when I wrestle at Wembley. I used to tear my shirt, but now you've torn my heart. I knew you were a Hulkamaniac. Right from the very start. Right from the start. Not the finest lyrics at, uh, at display here. But, once again, I can believe that Hogan himself wrote this. If he indeed did write it. If Jimmy Hart wrote this, not his best work. You were my friend. I'll see you again when the Hulkster comes to heaven. We'll tag up again. The world just lost another Hulkamaniac. I wish Hulk's love could bring you back again. You were my friend, and I'll see you again. Now, this is very presumptuous on Hulk Hogan's part that he's actually going to heaven. Do bigots go to heaven? You know, is there like a purgatory situation? You know, Maybe you... it's like American Gods, where, you know, Anubis comes and he weighs your heart on a scale with a feather. And if your heart is, you know, weighs too much, you can't go in. I'm sure Hulk Hogan's heart weighs about 8,000 pounds, considering all the shits he's done uh, over the years. But, uh... Yeah, Hulkster in Heaven, it's certainly the most infamous track, I think, off the album. It says a lot, I think, that this is the only song the Hulk sings on. He just raps the rest of it. Do you, th- do you think they knew that, okay, Hulk can't sing that much? He can, he can, he can, he can get him to rap, but as far as singing goes, eh, let, let's keep to one song and one song only. Well, this was his moment, and I guess it's not the easiest thing in the world when you're not a singer to go in and, you know, put your voice down 
on a recording for everyone to hear for the rest of time. So if he was going to do it, I'm glad it was at least for a good cause Mm -hmm. and a special dedication to this kid, this poor kid. So in that regard, I admire this. But in another regard, steaming pile of shit, right? Yeah, you're absolutely right. And that fucking trumpet, man. I can't get over the trumpet. I can't. I'm never going to get over that trumpet. Listen, this begs the question, is it outdated in 1995? Because you could say yes, but at the same time, it just sounds like a standard karaoke piano ballad played on a, like a cheap keyboard. So in that regard, it does have kind of like a timeless quality to it, except the sounds that they're using are just so bad. Well, we've reached the end of the album, the final track. Oh, thank God. Hopefully unscathed. I don't know about you, Chris. A few scrapes and bruises here and there, but... uh... The last thing I'm going to hear before I die is that trumpet, so I don't think I've (laughs) escaped unscathed. It'll haunt you for the rest of your days. Yeah. This track is the only one to feature J.J. McGuire on lead vocals. It's the title track, Hulk Rules. So we can thank J.G. McGuire here for bringing back the rock and roll to close out the album. You got those rocking guitars, very prominent slap bass. Uh, of course, it wouldn't be a wrestling boot band song without some synths in the chorus. And it, um, it, um, uh, I'm sorry, Chris, I'm sorry. Could you please pause the tape again, rewind to the beginning, and play the first 10 seconds or so? Gee. I wonder what this song sounds like. Son of a bitch. He did it again. He did it again. Jimmy Hart once again rips off his own music for the album. This is the guitar riff from The Grand Spectacle, which was the WrestleMania theme that we talked about on episode five. Yeah, Hulk Hogan just rules so much. That I'm just gonna go and take a song that was used for WrestleMania that lots of people have heard, and yeah, I'll just yeah, I'll use it again. It's fine. You know, no one's gonna, no one knows. Maybe if I bury it at the end, you know, no one, no one will notice. You know, so many people have turned it off that they they won't recognize the song. They won't, you know, they won't hear the song yet. But come on, Jimmy, come on, you can't do this. It's the grand spectacle. Well, to be fair, I'm not sure that anyone really gave a fuck about this album at any point during the production of it or after so i don't blame jimmy hart for kind of just sleepwalking his way through this album you know who doesn't though is jj mcguire i think his vocals sound awesome i think he's got a great voice yeah he's great definitely and it's got that sexy sax as well oh i love that i think that elevates the song too above a lot of the other tracks in the album you know if only we had more saxophone on the album chris i think we could have saved us a whole lot of trouble. If this was just like a Huey Lewis ripoff, this yes. entire album, oh man, that would have been right in my wheelhouse. Oh, that'd be great. But yeah, like, you know, American Made, this is very much in the vein of Hulk Hogan, triumphant, the wrestler, coming to the ring, fighting the bad guys, uh, Hulkster rules, you know, save the day, blah, 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 blah. 
that kind of, you know, shtick. So at the beginning you had American Made, which is very much the wrestling theme. And again, this too could be the wrestling theme as well to sort of close out the album. Yeah, it feels like it's kind of just putting a bow on everything. It reminds me in that regard a lot of Hulksters in the House, minus the whole home invasion aspect of it. Ending the album with a song that actually isn't half bad Mm -hmm. and that maybe I would consider under only slight duress listening to again. Everybody's talking trash, but he knows that talk is cheap. If you mess with the Hulkster, he'll rearrange your teeth. What more needs to be said than that, Chris? You know, they paint Hogan in this great, you know, this, oh, he'll stand up for your freedom, he'll stand up for your rights. So at what point does rearranging your teeth play into that? Unless it's standing up for your for your rights to dental insurance, in which case this makes complete sense. No, 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 Chris, you're missing the whole point, the context of the situation here. If you mess with the Hulkster, he'll rearrange your teeth. Obviously, he's talking to the bad guys of the world. I would argue that Hulk Hogan is one of the bad guys of the world. Oh, boy. You know, slander and, and mockery. This has gone too far, Chris. God damn it. As, as a Hulkamaniac, I can stand by no longer. Listen, you either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. I rest my case. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> <laughs> there you have it. Hulk Rules by Hulk Hogan and the Wrestling Boot Band. Overall thoughts on the album, I'll go first here. I know the reviews are quite poor. To me, there's a lot wrong. But this is not the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. If you go into this thinking that you're going to hear, you know, My Pal Foot Foot or Lulu by Louie to Metallica, oh, oh, you're, you're going to be disappointed because it's not that bad. There are some bright spots on the album like, you know, American Made, Wrestling Boot Traveling Band, even Hulk Rules. The sour spots are sour. The terrible lyrics, the rapping, relying too much on the synths. The trumpets. The trumpets. Yes, this album is aimed for kids. We can't forget that. But you can still make an album that sounds relevant and still gear it towards a younger audience. And that, I think, Chris, we can agree, that is the biggest sin that this album commits, which is coming out in 1995. We've said it over and over and over again here on the episode. The way this album sounds, it does not belong in this decade. Compared to other 90s music, you know, the music we played at the start, it is so dated, so out of place. You put this in the 80s, I think it'll be a much better fit. This would be like if Randy Orton came out with an emo album today. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, this album is just scattered all over time musically. It's, it's definitely not of its time, uh, definitely not contemporary. So if this was meant to appeal to kids at the time, some of these kids may not even remember music that sounded like this. They certainly don't remember anything that sounds like the wrestling boot traveling band, that's for sure. But I think the I want to be a Hulkamaniac, I think that type of sound is where this album probably should have lived. The synth pop kind of, you know, accessible hip hop type of thing. And there's all sorts of things that you can say about that. But that's where this seemed to be the most comfortable. And the cheese factor definitely fits in with that. Anytime it tries to take itself too seriously, I I think this falls flat in that regard. Also, I would like to say that the vibe I got from a lot of the hip-hop tracks on this album reminded me a lot of the music from Rocky V. Are you familiar with... With Rocky Five, That is the one Rocky movie I have not seen. Oh, what are you doing, man? You gotta see that. 
by far the best character in any of the Rocky movies. George Washington Duke is in that movie. And let me just tell you something. George Washington Duke, he's a great man. He has a great name. And he shows up to Rocky's press conference with his own microphone and PA system. It's incredible. You gotta watch Rocky V. But yeah, a lot of the music, <laughs> a lot of the music in Rocky V, you know, the very, very kind of forced hip hop type of vibe, very similar to a lot of the stuff in Rocky V. Now we have our opinions, Chris, no doubt about it, but there are those with their own opinions about the album. So let's go on to Amazon.com and let's see what other Hulkamaniacs think about Hulk rules. First of all, I was very surprised at how high this album this is 3.9 stars out of five stars. And I know star ratings are a very controversial thing these days, so we'll just skirt around that. But some of these album reviews here, I think some of these people think that Hulk Hogan was playing all the instruments. I really get that feeling. Because a lot of these album reviews are kind of tongue-in-cheek, but some of these are just are, are very, very much in earnest. So we'll go back and forth here. Scott Soul, uh, the title of his is just five stars. Wow. And it's two words, Hulk rules. Michael Clifford says, all caps, I grow up watching Hulk Hogan and I meet him when I was a little boy. And when he have gotten hurt, I wrote he a letter and he sent me an autographed picture of himself. Five stars. Carlos Trejo, again, five stars. This record helped me get some right in time for Christmas. It's penny dropper. <laughs> Oh, boy. Carlos. God Follower was a fun listen. Actually, not too shabby music-wise. Five stars. I wonder if God Follower also listens to Creed. I'm trying to go through God Follower's other purchases here to see if they have Creed albums. But it looks like they have things like lens filters, replacement lithium-ion batteries, heat shrink butt wire, electrical... What the fuck is this? Electrical crimp terminal connectors and Charmin bathroom tissue. Now, I I could see the Charmin bathroom tissue coming into play after listening to Hulk rules. Charlie, again, five stars. He calls this one the masterpiece that defined a generation. Hulk rules is widely considered to be the most important album of the 20th century. Terry Hulk Hogan has always been universally accepted and renowned as a great musician. But this album puts him in the ranks of, and easily above, the Beatles and Mozart. Words can't even begin to describe this accomplishment in modern music. Hulk pours his heart, soul, and muscles into every song. His songwriting has changed the world forever. Hulk rules will undoubtedly be remembered and cherished for centuries to come. God bless Hulk Hogan, and God bless America. I don't think it can get any better than that. That's a that's a that's a showstopper right there. Except for the one person who gave it a one star and said they ordered it by mistake. I think what happened was I think he ordered a cassette version, but he hit the uh, hit CD by mistake. And what a mistake it was! Well, this episode was no mistake, my friend. <laughs> this episode was a jaunt in orange musical goodness. So thank you, the listener. For listening to this episode of Music of the Mat, you can check out past episodes at VoicesOfWrestling.com, as well as other podcasts, show reviews, and columns all about pro wrestling. You can follow us on Twitter, at Music of the Mat, and give us any feedback there. You can also give feedback on the Voices of Wrestling forums at VoicesOfWrestling.com slash forum. Give us a ring and review on iTunes at VoicesOfWrestling.com 
slash iTunes. Chris, now that that's over and done with, what is next for the Power Chords of Pain? Well, uh, one of the Power Chords will be taking a, a little vacation. So while I'm gone, you guys will be treated to some special bonus content, solo bonus content from Andrew. Uh, I have no idea what he has planned. It could be an entire episode of fake Hulk Hogan lyrics to Hulksters in the house. He could you write you could write more verses. You could uh, you could do more Freddie Blassie promos. You could do more "Don't try this at home" promos. I mean, I or or you could just do like a Q and A type of thing. That'd be a lot easier. Yeah, I'm doing that. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. That's it. <laughs> Sorry about the surprise, folks. It's a Q and A episode. Just something to pass the time while while Chris is away. But we will you will be back soon, though. You won't we won't be gone for too long. We'll have a new episode in full coming up in just in just a few weeks. In the meantime, hug your loved ones, say your prayers, eat your vitamins. Train really hard. And please, please, please do not be a racist. And always go swimming with a buddy. Always. Music of the Mad is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The songs used throughout this show are property of their respective copyright holders. Here it comes again. Lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery.